We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, October 27th of 2015. I'm Jake Latarski here today with Eric Turi. If you're out there on Twitter, you can follow Eric at etcat30. You can follow myself, Jake at jakeski52. We're seven weeks in so far, Eric. This is a point when a lot of owners can start to realize, all right, I'm going to the playoffs, I'm feeling good about my teams, or I'm probably out if I'm in a keeper league, it's probably time to sell. Where are you sitting through seven weeks? Well, uh, pretty well in um, actually all four of the leagues, 6-1, uh, and 5-2, 4-3, and 3-4, three and four. so firmly in playoff position in three of them and have a little work to do in the other. And, you know, you can kind of also tell your fellow owners that are not paying attention anymore because they're not snagging people on the waiver wire and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's really a time when you can pull away. And especially, hey, if you're here listening to this podcast, that means you're in it and you're you're ready to go. And and you're ready to hear about a couple of good running backs again this week and uh, another action-packed waiver wire show here. 
So uh, let's get into that a little bit before we begin. Quick happy birthday to former NFL Notre Dame superstar quarterback Brady Quinn. I know Nick and DVR like to do their <laughs> birthdays every week, so here's a good one I found for today. Uh, you just want to take that out of their book. Also, uh, this podcast available for iTunes and Stitcher, so we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. We're going to start out as typical on Tuesdays by recapping the Monday Night Football game where Joe Flacco and the Ravens fell short to Carson Palmer and the Cardinals 26-18 to in that game. Now Flacco had a chance to come down and tie it at the end. They came awfully close before uh, uh, interception in the end zone at the end there. So uh, home team prevailing in this type of situation. Eric, let's start on the Cardinals side. Chris Johnson is now number two in the entire league in rushing. He's racked up 567 yards on the season, trailing only Devontae Freeman. And then uh, after Freeman and Chris Johnson, we go to Doug Martin, Adrian Peterson, and then Le'Veon Bell gets his way up there after, you know, despite the short suspension here. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear Chris Johnson's the guy here in this backfield, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, he's totally benefited from an on, another Andre Ellington injury, which mm-hmm. happened in week one and that's the reason he is sitting here second in the league and rushing already mm-hmm. um yeah he he's thrown back the clock to like 2008 2009 and mm-hmm. yeah I mean, that touchdown run he had last night, basically where he rolled over a defender, somehow managed mm-hmm. to not touch the ground with his knees, hands, elbows, anything like that, got back up. I almost thought forward progress could have been called there to stop it because the defenders pretty much stopped when he stopped, but he got back up, took so, off, and it was a good touchdown. Do, do you mean the 62-yard run? He ended yeah. up getting tackled on, like, the 8-yard line or something like that on that play. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what the, I was the, thinking the of. The previous yeah. one, though, was uh, the pre- the touchdown, the 26-yard touchdown was actually almost as impressive because, mm-hmm. you know, he was kind of bottled up and then still got out of it and sped away from every defender to the corner. Yeah, which is amazing to get to see that uh, explosive And he's 30. Speed. Yep, he's at 30 this stage right in his career. Yeah, exactly. He's 30. <laughs> now, his performance brings some interesting questions. If you're an Andre Ellington or a David Johnson owner even in, in a 12-team league, what do you do with them? I mean, they, they're not startable at this point, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I could you try to include him as a trade chip? Is it time to cut bait? Is there any hope for either of these two rest of season? Well, I have no shares of Ellington, but I think he's worth holding on to um, as a handcuff at the very least. And he's actually a decent flex option so far in his three games since returning from the, what was it, sprain PCL. Mm-hmm. He had uh, He's had three, three, and eight touches. Uh, and then the last two games, he's had six carries for 27 yards and five receptions on six targets for 75 yards. So he's getting... Uh, you know, kind of the breakdown you would expect in a scaled back role. And if he does get about eight touches per game, he could get that vaunted six to eight point range that you would expect in a 14 team, 12 team league. Yeah, something like spot. Yeah, exactly. Something you need. Uh, so, yeah, Ellington worth hanging on to. But what really intrigues me is. Is David Johnson? I mean, uh, so far this year, uh, five total touchdowns, three rushing, two receiving. Seems to be very touchdown dependent. He does get a few yes. touches in every single game, but he's almost too risky to rely on on a week to week basis because if he doesn't find the end zone, he's pretty much going to have a dud because there's just not as many touches there, right? Yeah, I mean, he he is the goal line back, but he actually hasn't been afforded those chances recently. So mm-hmm. the three carries per game that he has got or received are, you know going for nothing, 2.2 two, 2. 2 yards per carry the last two games, mm-hmm. and only three catches total as well. Yeah, now just 23 years old, I'm hanging on to David Johnson, and it's only 12 teams, which is making this hard, yeah. And I, but I bought him for $1 at auction, and it's a keeper league. I've been holding on to him in my auction for next, or just thinking ahead to next year, having a potential running back for $1, but... Each yeah. each and each week, as roster decisions get tougher, you know, I have to reevaluate that type of strategy there. But I'm thinking I'm going to hold on to him a few more weeks. We'll kind of see how the touches, you know, break out, especially if uh, something were to happen right, right. in the two uh, running backs ahead of him. So worth For, watching. I mean, are you pretty optimistic about the guy's future, though? I, I'm optimistic about the future because who knows where Johnson's going to land after this type of season, you mm-hmm. know? And I mean, an injury could happen at any point, but. Yep. Um, as in long a standard as twelve up. team, can you cut bait though? If it wasn't a keeper league, in standard twelve, yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I mean, I'm considering getting rid of Johnson in a fourteen teamer right now. He, he's pretty much the only guy I can reason, reason Afford and lose, yeah. yeah, like and actually reason it out and do that. Mm-hmm. 
All right, well, let's just run down the rest of the uh, Arizona offense. Carson Palmer, 20 for 29, 275 yards, two touchdowns. He's become a very nice fantasy chip. Uh, a lot of people were drafting him as a backup, but he's looking to be a quarterback one. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just want to break down the Arizona targets here. Pretty even distribution. John Brown, six targets, ended up turning that into four catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Jermaine Gresham, surprisingly, tied for the lead. There were six targets. Four catches for 62 yards on the night. Michael Floyd found the end zone again on just four targets, but had a pretty nice day. Three catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. Larry Fitzgerald, five targets as well. Three catches for 39 yards. Uh, No scores there. So uh, anything to uh, be gained or that we can gain from this? I mean, Michael Floyd is starting to kind of get into the territory where you can think about starting him if you've been hanging on to him, correct? I I think the breakdown of targets is kind of a fluke. Uh, Usually... uh it's Larry Fitzgerald, and then John Brown slightly behind him, and then it's a mm-hmm. huge drop-off in targets. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the first time this season we've seen a game like this where five players had at least four targets, but no more than six. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously that's not going to happen often, but uh, I think we're going to go back to Fitz and John Brown dominating. But it was good to see uh, Floyd you know, reach the end zone for the second game in a row, and he's... Uh, averaging 5.4 targets since you know he was really limited in the first two games, so mm-hmm. he he's still being used moderately. Yeah, I do like Floyd a little bit rest of season. Uh, I mean, if, at the very least in in tournaments and daily maybe because yeah. he could go off for that big big week. He's he's a big play threat basically, and and you know now having scored in in back to back weeks, back to back weeks with a touchdown and at least 50 yards receiving, so that's starting to get more encouraging that he's healthy and that they're getting him involved a little bit so yeah floyd uh in 2013-14 combined 31 receptions of 20 plus and eight of more than 40 but so far this year he's had only one big play of more than 20 yards so there is still the potential there for him to you know reach that previous standard and you know you could buy low on him even with the touchdowns and back-to-back weeks yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he's sitting out there on the waiver wire, I think you still need to grab him here. Yeah. Well, let's head on head on over to the Ravens side. Joe Flacco, twenty six for forty, two hundred fifty two yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, most of that damage, as one would expect, came to Steve Smith, who was targeted nine times, ended up with five catches for seventy eight yards. The tight end Crockett Gilmore also reeled in five catches on seven targets for fifty three yards. Nobody else really. Uh, too notable, I guess, in the receiving core, as one would expect. Ky- fullback Kyle Juszczyk caught a touchdown. I had to look up that pronunciation there for a second. Uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and admit it. But Forsett did get a touchdown here. Uh, Forsett now kind of getting getting back on the on the main train after a slow start here. He's now scored in two of the last three weeks, only 36 rushing yards uh, the other night there. But, I mean, are you in agreement that Forsett will – throughout the rest of the season return kind of the late first early second round value that uh that he was drafted at or was it maybe a little bit of a reach in drafts this year uh I don't I don't think it's gonna end up being a reach at all uh he's still ranked eighth in the league in rushing right now mm-hmm. and his carries uh or sorry total touches which was 15 on Monday mm-hmm. was his second fewest of the season he's averaged 16.6 carries and so far and 3.7 catches on the season yeah I so mean, it's like, not it's not like Buck Allen's taking too much away from yeah, him either he's basically getting 20 to 21 touches per game so I think that's going to keep up he'll return to that level uh next weekend or their next game very yeah just uh for a quick summary Justin Forsett 12 carries and four targets. Buck Allen, three carries and uh, just one target in the passing game there. So, I don't know, worth pointing out there. But, uh, yeah, with, with that, let's move on to the waiver wire portion. Uh, I guess the meat and potatoes of the podcast here, as we like to say sometimes. Uh, but <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, <laughs> real quick reminder before we get going. Uh, recommendations based on a 12-team standard scoring $100 budget. If we talk about Fab, throw a number out there. And also, before we get going, keep in mind that if you have players on the Bills, the Jaguars, the Eagles, or the Redskins this week, they are on a bye in week eight. So worth noting now, and uh, as usual, we're going to start out with quarterbacks here. Uh, we have a couple streaming plays at the end, but first some kind of news just to discuss there. Uh, I was thinking heading into this morning, it was going to be the same run around Hoyer Mallet. One of them is going to have to be talked about in two quarterback leagues, but it looks like Ryan Mallet got cut Tuesday morning. So that makes things clear enough for you. Is Hoyer the quarterback tone? Oh, yeah, for sure. But, you know, when somebody starts six for 23 for whatever he threw for in the first mm-hmm. half, uh, you don't feel very encouraged about actually using him again. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially thinking that the Texans are going to be down Arian Foster, which we're we'll yeah. get to that a little bit later in the show with some uh, with some running back picks there. But uh, Hoyer's going to be the guy moving forward. They're probably in the market for a backup quarterback, but uh, at least this. For those in two quarterback leagues where every starter is owned, this provides a little bit of clarity that we're going to have Hoyer moving forward. You're going to see Christian Ponder uh, very soon. In Christian Ponder very soon. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we won't we won't ever recommend. I don't think we can ever dedicate something no. to Ponder after watching him kind of fumble around with the Vikings. Uh, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> Another quarterback that we've talked a lot off and on about during this podcast is, of course, Johnny Manziel. From the Cleveland Browns. Now, Josh McCown is dealing with a shoulder injury, but every, I covered the Browns. Everything I read in the Akron Beacon Journal, uh, Mary Kay Cabot of uh, Cleveland Plain Dealer, kind of Northeast Ohio media group there, yeah. even ESPN Cleveland, they're pretty much quoting McCown, who's, <clears throat> or not, not McCown, but Mike Patton, the coach, saying, if, now I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but if McCown is physically capable, He's our starting quarterback. He's going to play. Now, Manziel dealing with a little bit of uh, investigation. There's never sh- any shortage of drama with Johnny Manziel. And, I, you know, you, I don't think that organization specifically, after everything they've gone through over the past three years, starting a quarterback that's currently under league investigation just seems, you know, to continue the pattern, which is something that you'd think they'd want to shy away from. Right. But just a heads up to watch the situation. Uh, we'll see what McCown's practice participation looks like earlier in the week. But as long as he can he'll be the starter there so there's not too much Johnny Manziel hype at this point not at all yeah fortunately it is a pretty light quarterback bye week I mentioned Bills Jags Eagles Skins on a bye week uh, so I mean Tyrod Taylor Blake Bortles Sam Bradford Kirk Cousins owned in a lot of places but aren't QB ones in a lot of places so fortunately most people uh, aren't going to have to replace their QBs after last week which was kind of a rough quarterback bye but very if you do need a second quarterback in a QB2 or are just uh, looking for a decent streaming option because you don't like your matchup this week. I wanted to point it out two quarterbacks who have been putting up some decent numbers lately that both have favorable matchups in the upcoming week. One is Jameis Winston of the Buccaneers, owned in just 17% of Yahoo, 16% of ESPN leagues. I bring his name up because he has he goes to Atlanta, so it's a road matchup. Uh, but he does go to Atlanta week eight, and they're number 25 in the league, giving up almost 275 passing yards a game. The other one I want to mention, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 28% Yahoo, 24% ESPN. He has the Oakland Raiders, which as of, you know, through seven weeks, I guess you could say, they are the number 32 pass D in the entire league, allowing almost 304 yards per game through the air. So I guess if you had to flip a coin, do you, I mean, both of these guys are on the road, but they both have defenses and, and, you know, have that risk of being behind here. Do you have a favorite between the two of them? Yeah, I personally, I like Fitzpatrick a heck of a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on pace for career highs in pass attempts and actually yards as well. He's supposed to surpass the 569 for 3,832 yards that he got with the Bills in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Yeah, and he's also on pace to easily set a new career high in touchdown passes, which makes sense when you have Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker to throw to. So on pace for 29 touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I would lean toward him. And let's see, the Oakland Raiders uh, allow the most passing yards per game, as you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. But they've also given up multiple touchdowns in five of six games this year. So I, I think that really tells you what Fitzpatrick can actually put up this week. Yeah, there's big potential here. And even if you're not going to start him or don't need a season-long replacement for those season-long leagues, both maybe some guys to look at. Maybe a Fitzpatrick-Marshall stack in a a DraftKings lineup this week, something like that. I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate here just – Talking about the weapons of Jameis Winston, uh, mm-hmm. I like to talk about Blake Bortles and his weapons, another young quarterback that's aided by very talented skill players on the offense. And I think of Jameis Winston in the same light. Mike Evans, after his eight-catch, 164-yard performance last week, he looks like he's back to life. Of course, Vincent Jackson's always there to lean on. And Jameis Winston's getting his favorite target from week one back here. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins should be good to go any week now. Okay, yeah, and... Just uh, to note, too, uh, Lewis Murphy is lost for the season mm-hmm. with a torn ACL. 
and Vincent Jackson's dealing with an injury as well this week. So that's yeah. something we're going to have to watch. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if he has Mike Evans and Safarian Jenkins to throw to, then mm-hmm. he's going to be pretty set. Yeah, and you right. just yeah, you just look at the backfield, too. I mean, Winston has a pair of quality backs in Doug mm-hmm. Martin and Charles Sims, whereas I believe uh, Chris Ivory's banged Chris up, Ivory's banged up yep. as well. And uh, uh, I, we've got you know him and Bilal Paula both kind of up in the air. We'll have to see how the, uh, how the practice week uh, pays off. But, I mean, Jets could end up going to Zach Stacy this week if uh, – <laughs> In a, in a dire a circumstance point. here, and uh, yeah, the, to show how optimistic uh, we are about that, I, I, we didn't even include Stacy in our running back section this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and with that, that's a good transition over to the running backs, where uh, collectively we decided that the top pickup this week has got to be Darren McFadden of the Dallas Cowboys. Exploded for a monster game Sunday against the Giants, uh, twenty nine carries, which is the big. The touches, the carries, that's the big thing that uh, points us in our direction. But not only that, but what he did with it, 152 yards and a touchdown, also caught two catches for 10 yards there. Uh, Now, McFadden is only available in 38% of Yahoo and 43% of ESPN leagues there. Is he the type of guy that you spend the rest of your budget on, hoping to turn it around, or is he kind of going with a, with a, with a medium-sized bid here and, and, and playing this one safe? I would, I would personally play it safe because you still want to save some money for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be in pretty desperate need to actually you know, blow the rest of your money on, on McFadden right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say be a little uh, modest with your uh, um, bets this week. At least on McFadden. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why McFadden had such a huge performance was Joseph Randall only got a couple carries in Sunday's game. He's dealing with back slash oblique injuries. We kind of have that that area kind of on the side there patched together. He yeah. could miss some time. Again, this is one thing that we'll have to wait for practice reports today and the rest of the week to kind of see how that comes into play. But Everyone was all high on Christine Michael, including us last week. I mean, reports out of Dallas suggested that Christine Michael was going to get a bigger role. Apparently that was all just kind of a, a head game. Smoke screen, perhaps. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, way to go, Jason <laughs> Garrett, because uh, Christine Michael ended up with only five carries for 18 yards, targeted once in the passing game, caught a pass for two yards. So got some snaps on the field, but really wasn't part of the game plan like Garrett insinuated. Yeah, and Garrett did say uh, in the aftermath of Sunday of Sunday's game that uh, he's going to give more touches to McFadden going forward, even if McFadden mm-hmm. doesn't actually move in front of Randall on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. So he might just be the backup in name, but actually get most of the touches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- Especially, I mean, with Randall injured right now, I mean, he's key. Yeah, those two, I think, are almost co-starters on the depth chart when yeah. they're both healthy with Randall you know banged up a little bit McFadden becomes the guy I mean one other thing to keep in mind here he's going to be playing Seattle Seattle is going to be motivated to not lose again and <laughs> actually you would push imagine. and push like Dallas farther down the NFC uh, standings too so mm-hmm. because you know they're banged up right now why not yeah sooner or later they're going to get Romo and Des Bryant back yeah. uh, it, it'll just be a matter of is it too little too late because the Brandon Weed and and now Matt Castle combo isn't really quite working out for him. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it is a word of caution, kind of like when we were going Chark Hendrick West the other week, how he was facing a tough run D in Minnesota. Didn't work out right away, but it worked out the next week. Mm-hmm. Now looking ahead for Dallas, their next four, they have Seattle at home, have Philadelphia at home, which uh, you know can They're, be susceptible to giving up some points. And they, then they go to Tampa Bay, go to Miami. So uh, under Chip Kelly, they've given up only three 100-yard rushers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his two-plus seasons so far. So, you know, that's a sample size of now 38 games or so. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if he doesn't reach 100 yards, you're right, there could be, you know, points there just because of, mm-hmm. you know, their defense is yielding. Yeah, and of course the Cowboys is always going to be a run-first team. Now, yeah. the, one of the reasons I'm sometimes hesitant with this recommendation, I mean, McFadden was a guy that I dropped earlier in the year when I thought of, you know, when he wasn't just getting the touches. Mm-hmm. And... This recommendation for me is based solely on circumstances. It it almost has nothing to do with the player. Almost has nothing to do with the player outside of their outside of his performance last week. But I mean, we've seen McFadden over the course of his career. Not the most explosive guy. Hasn't been big on yards per carry anywhere else. But if you're going to give them the ball 25 to 30 times behind a Dallas Cowboys offensive line, just the circumstances are enough, just based on opportunity for him to get uh, a decent amount of yards, even if he only averages three a carry or something like that he's he's gonna get the ball it's in my opinion I, I would say probably the best offensive line in football if not close definitely top there. five yeah so I think that alone makes him to the point where he needs to be worth owning in several formats someone asked me today on Twitter in a shallow league if uh 
they have LeGarrette Blunt, and if they should drop Blunt for McFadden rest of season. And that was a tough call. I think maybe at the time I was a little bit high on McFadden, but I mean, if McFadden keeps this job, and there's a lot of ifs with both of them, I think he'll at least be more consistent than Blunt. He only carried the ball three times last week, but mm-hmm. Blunt's going to have his days regardless. You know, I'd almost try to pawn off Blunt in a trade chip, but I mean, I, I had to tell him McFadden for now just because of the opportunity and the offensive line. Yeah, for sure. That, that I didn't even like take that into consideration. You know, their quarterback situation is incompetent right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just feed the rock to the guy that will you know burn clock all day. Like the Wisconsin Badgers of the NFL, just yeah, run exactly. the ball, run the ball. You know, with a couple <laughs> former Badgers on, or at least use, one former Badger on that offensive line there. Yeah, use up thirty-five minutes of the clock. Yeah, that, that, right on there. But uh, okay, so if you if you're not sold on McFadden though, there's another running back who uh, we have coming in as a close second on the list in recommended pickups, and that is uh, of course due to the Arian Foster injury. Um, Achilles injury going to put him out for the year going to really hamper any of those owners playoff chances I'd imagine because they were waiting on him got a couple good weeks now I have to cut bait here uh, but of course the backup at least on the depth chart to Arian Foster is Alfred Blue and right now I remember when Foster came back we pretty much said okay you can go ahead and drop Blue in most formats and people must have taken our advice because Blue's only owned in 18% of Yahoo and 19% of ESPN leagues there now I wrote down about fifteen twenty for McFadden. Are we going a little bit less on on Blue just based on skill set, circumstance, quarterback play, those type of things? I, I would say not only that, but he also has Chris Polk and Jonathan Grimes in his backfield who could mm-hmm. eat into his uh, usage. So uh, he's also had sporadic uh, performances this year. So we had a 139-yard, one-touchdown game against Tampa Bay in Week 3. But aside from that, he's averaged 3.3 yards per carry, had no touchdowns, and only had three catches in the other five appearances. So, mm-hmm. I mean, does that really make you encouraged? I mean, there is a ceiling that you know can get up there with 30 carries, but you can't really rely upon that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first three weeks of the season when Arian Foster was out, Alfred Blue I'd say wildly inconsistent. Week one, nine carries, 42 yards. Week two, five carries, six yards. Woohoo! That was against the tough Panthers defense, though. Yeah. And then the 31 carry, 139 yard game came against Tampa Bay, who you know has had their fair share of troubles on defense there. Yeah. So it, it's it's quite a bit inconsistent. And since after those first three weeks, he's only had 15 carries total. He was even held without a carry week six against the Jaguars. So a little bit worrisome here. Uh, I went ahead and I put a pretty sizable bid on Blue in a league that I owned Arian Foster mm-hmm. just because he's the best option available and McFadden wasn't around and I needed to go ahead and get myself back. Right. So, But other than that, I mean, it, it, when you're that desperate for someone, if it's just a regular person, can, can you really spend more than 15 bucks on, on him for bench depth? Um, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. And, okay, let's say you're in a 16-team or deeper league and Chris or sorry Alfred Blue Blue is already gone perhaps even Chris Polk I mean how much how much would you put on Jonathan Grimes at that point just as like a dart for the future yeah Grimes is not owned anywhere Polk four percent of Yahoo one percent of ESPN leagues I could see them being worth dollar flyers if you have a dead weight on your bench or you know just in case they manage to surpass blue on the depth chart because then you'll have a starter rest of the season and the Texans offense seemed to like to feature Arian Foster when he was around a few very productive weeks so there's yeah. room for fantasy production in that backfield somewhere you, you know if you had to spin a wheel I think blue would have the biggest space on that wheel but mm-hmm. but other than that I mean there's other guys that have a chance there so something to watch a little bit but yeah, I mean I, you gotta like uh Grimes at least as a pass catcher he's uh, he has 11 catches on 14 targets, So, uh, mm-hmm. and that was in the first three games of the season when Foster was out, too. Yeah, so I'd take a look. I think we'll see Blue owned in just about all formats by the end of the week. So, right. yeah, something to I look agree. at there. But let's move on to Kyrie Robinson at the Saints. Now, he's owned in just 4% of Yahoo, 8% of ESPN. Of course, Ingram, Mark Ingram, owned pretty much everywhere. C.J. Spiller has the next highest ownership there. But it was Kyrie Robinson who had a very solid game here on Sunday. Of course, it was against the Colts, who have been pretty dreadful on the ground against opposing running backs. Uh, but 
both Mark Ingram and Kyrie Robinson each carried the ball 14 times in that game. Now, Kyrie averaged just two yards per carry compared to Ingram's 10.2 yards per carry, but it was Kyrie Robinson that scored twice. Ingram scored just one time. Now, are you going to attribute this to being kind of fluky here, or are we going to see more carries for Robinson moving forward? Yeah, I, I consider it fluky. I, I think he's going to be cons- consistent in the passing game, but mm-hmm. the 14 carries is by far a season high. Um Let's see. I mean, if you had C.J. Spiller, I don't think I'd drop Spiller for Robinson necessarily, but I'm looking for you know, maybe those 14-, 16-team uh, leagues because there's some backs. There's some yeah. productive backs on a bye this week. You're looking at LaShawn McCoy, T.J. Yeldon, any of those Eagles backs, and, and you know if you're stuck in that Matt Jones, Alfred Morris mess like I am in a couple places, <laughs> uh, you know all those backs are on bye. So there's gonna, a lot of people looking for an RB2 this week, and I feel like, Robinson can at least get you six, eight points, right? Yeah, and I think it might have been maybe a warm-up actually for their Week 8 matchup, the Saints Week 8 matchup against the Giants, who have given up at least 100 yards rushing and one rushing touchdown to running backs in three consecutive games now. Mm-hmm. So it might have been like, oh, we're get, we're getting prepared for the week ahead, and you know this is going to be the breakdown of carries for the you know at least short term. Yeah, Ingram's prices might go down. Well, I don't think they're going to go down because he still had 140 yards and a touchdown last week. Yeah. But I, I don't think they'll go up enough, I guess you could say, because you know when they feature a team that you know maybe is going to be a little bit more of a challenge but has struggled against the run, Ingram could be in for another huge game next week. So yeah. I'm excited about all the places I own him for sure. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Kyrie Robinson, maybe 4 to $6. Is that, that even may- a little higher? I can see that going down there because it's not going to crush your budget, but it gives you a solid bench player. Yeah, and at least you can, if, if you have a flex spot, you can throw him in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm That's where I would primarily use him. I don't want to really use him in one of my two running back spots at all, but mm-hmm. I guess if you're in a 16-team or deeper. Yep. We've got a few deeper shots to go for here with the remaining running backs. One is David Cobb of Tennessee. Uh, I think we've mentioned his name uh, in the past before, but he got back to practice last Wednesday, and he's going to be set to be activated from the uh, short-term IR very soon here. Now, the only reason we mention his name is because Andrews McCluster, Bishop Sankey, I mean, Sankey can be dropped in all formats at this point. I think that's safe to say. But the the running back situation is a mess. They've been giving people plenty of opportunities, but nobody's really excelled in that role. Now, it's very hard to imagine a rookie running back jumping in and taking the lead in in a running back by committee, but the opportunity's there for him. I wrote down here just kind of underlined it, high risk, high reward. Cobb might be nothing, but he also might be something. So is he worth a couple bucks? Yeah, and I actually think he's something just because, uh, you're like you said, he's he practiced for the first time this week. So the, the Titans actually have a three-week period in which they can activate him and uh, bring him back. And if he does come back, then at that point, I, I think he would be the number one back just because he was in line to be the number one back during training camp mm-hmm. until he suffered that uh, calf injury and. In two preseason appearances, he had 19 carries for 79 yards, which is 4.2 yards per carry. And so far, like, the Titans haven't performed that badly. I mean, they're 20th in the league in rushing offense. Mm -hmm. But nobody's actually averaged more than 35 yards per game. So, like you said, like, there's opportunity there for somebody to take advantage of. And since he was conceivably the number one back before, he should – you would think he would be the number one again. Yeah, I could see that uh, very much coming to fruition here. Cobb, rookie, 22 years old, 5'11", 230 pounds, went to Minnesota, so we saw him a little bit in the yeah. Big Ten there. And he was he was pretty dynamic back, too. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he did he ran over people, so I could see that happening. Yeah. I, He's so, in, and look at the division he plays in. I mean, there's going to be a lot of pro- potential cakewalk defenses in, the, in his future. Yeah, I, I would be right on board with that. So I'd go ahead and, uh, if you have a deep bench, but even if not, if you're looking for a flyer and running back, I'd say Cobb is an excellent bet. Only owned in 10% of Yahoo and 7% of ESPN leagues because wow. keep in mind, some people actually drafted him at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. uh, especially before the injury went down, kind of when they were watching him in the preseason, thinking there's room in this Tennessee offense. Uh, one more guy that I want to, or a couple guys that we want to talk about, if if anything, just to explain the stat lines. We're looking at a guy named Orleans Darqua from the Giants. He led the Giants uh, mysteriously with eight carries, produced 48 yards, and scored a touchdown Sunday against the Cowboys. Of course, he's universally available. And, you know, you look at the Giants, they've got Rashad Jennings, they've got Shane Vereen, they've got Andre Williams. Can we write this off as a fluke completely? 
Uh, I actually don't think it's a fluke, and I I think that's because Andre Williams has been, or he's his his ineptitude is equated to two point nine yards per carry so far, mm-hmm. and I actually don't think he's averaging more than three yards per carry in his career in two years in the league. I think they're just getting tired of him. I think Tom Coughlin is like, you've had your chances. We're gonna let somebody else and see what they can do as uh, you know a few carries and yeah, cause, I mean Andre Williams kind of thought of as the the between the tackles back yeah so if you can picture you know Darkwa maybe usurping him for that role he'll get carries maybe some goal line carries he might get uh like if they're trying to create some distance if they're if the end zone's at their backs I could see Darkwa getting those mm-hmm. but to get to be scoring regularly on a week-to-week basis I, I just don't know I mean Rashad Jennings is the back between the 20s for the most part in close games or when they're ahead I think of Shane Vereen is the back that they put in when they're behind or if they need an extra receiver to line up in the slot because they're so banged up mm-hmm. uh, but on top of that I mean I can really only see Darkwa his upside going to what Andre Williams role exactly. was so there's there's potential for maybe a, a big week here and there but to expect any kind of consistent production is probably a little bit lofty yeah, exactly. I mean, you only put him on your watch list if you're a Rashad Jennings owner, probably, mm-hmm. uh, and or if you're in a deeper league. You, yeah. you kind of keep an eye on him and actually see what his role ends up being. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could just forecast what's to come or, you know, flash in the pan like you mentioned before. Yeah, a lot of fantasy guys or fantasy sites will have, you know, practice squad or, or some sort of – watch list on built into the site so always worth it to use those features for players like this that kind of have a good week and you want to see how it pans out last backfield situation we want to discuss here pretty quickly is san francisco now carlos hyde he played last week against seattle and he i mean received his fair share of carries i mean they gave him the ball 11 times only produced 40 yards in that outing there but the thing with carlos hyde is he's playing with a stress fracture in his foot and I mean, where the 49ers are at right now as a team, they're two and five, looking probably going to be on the outside looking in. I can't even imagine the way they're playing that they're able to make any sort of playoff push there. How much longer can they continue using their young back that's got a that essentially, I don't want to say broken foot, it's different from a stress fracture. I, a few months short of my medical degree there, so not quite, uh, <laughs> not quite there, but uh, is this, if they do limit him, of course, Reggie Bush is the guy, then Mike Davis and Jared Hayne on the depth chart. Reggie Bush owned 9% of Yahoo, 10% of ESPN leagues. Is it worth exploring the rest of this backfield, or is it just kind of a watch list option at this point? Well, regarding this uh, potential injury, because yeah. I'm, I'm calling it potential because the team hasn't actually confirmed or denied that he's dealing with a stress fracture. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, the 49ers do practice tomorrow, correct? Mm-hmm. So we'll find out on the when their injury report comes out, whether he is actually injured or not. Uh, we would expect him to, um, since there is a report that he'll be at least limited in practice with a foot injury. But, uh, I mean, if it is somewhat serious, you know, Reggie Bush is a decent option here. Yeah, especially in your PPR formats. Now, uh, just to recap what Reggie Bush did uh, last week, because it was Thursday night and it seems like forever ago already. <laughs> but uh, Reggie Bush, four carries, 21 yards, so decent average there. And, uh, of course, we, you, he's known for his uh, role in the passing game. He was targeted right. five times, three catches for 13 yards. But, I mean, tied for the second most catches on the team. You, I mean, you And you would assume Bush would get the gig if Hyde has to sit out at all, right? Yeah, Bush will probably be the primary option yeah. there. I mean, the other guys that we mentioned here, Davis and Hayne, neither of them even saw a carry. Now, granted, the 49ers were behind so pretty I, much the entirety of that Thursday night game. I, I'm pretty sure these two backs have been alternating inactive status all season, and Hayne was, Hayne was actually the one who was inactive in the Seattle game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is just bookkeeping, something to keep in mind. But... They're not fantasy considerations at all. Yeah, just because Reggie Bush dealt with his own minor injuries earlier in the season there, and if they do get banged up and have to go down the list, uh, you know, something to consider, just something we want to make our listeners aware of in general. Exactly. All right, fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week 8, DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Eric, we're going to go ahead and continue with our waiver wire recommendations for the week. Uh, Once again, 
Jake Latarski here with Eric Couturia. Uh, we're going to go to wide receivers, and I had a tough time finding receivers, to be honest, that we haven't already mentioned in the past, and, and new candidates, really. So we're going to run down a few recycled options, uh, with the main one being Stefan Diggs of Minnesota. Now, since we first mentioned him, his availability has dried up quite a bit, but he is only owned in 61% of Yahoo, 44% of ESPN leagues. Uh, so th- there's quite a bit of room there for possibly something to happen there. And he's pretty much been the top target in Minnesota here. Targeted a team high nine times last week, six catches for 108 yards and a touchdown. If Diggs is available, is he your top target this week, Eric? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, he, I mean, this guy looks like the real deal. Did you see his uh, ridiculous diving catch into the end zone against Detroit? Oh, you know what? I missed that because uh, oh, everybody was so focused in on the Patriots-Jets game and, and the Vikings-Lions were happening at the same time. Okay. So most of my attention did go to the Patriots, but uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up because you know seeing that type of athletic ability in action can really affect your judgment uh, on a certain yeah. player. So uh, the Vikings actually traveled to Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. The Bears have given up uh, 11 touchdowns in six games to wideouts. So that's just something to keep in mind too. Even if he doesn't, you know, reach this uh, target count that we mentioned, he's a decent bet to actually reach end zone. Yeah, he seems to uh, be one of Teddy Bridgewater's, if not his new favorite target. Yes, essentially surpassing the fantasy utility of Mike Wallace, Charles Johnson. I'd say you could probably just go ahead and drop at this point. Jarius Wright too. Yeah, no need to own any of those guys. But yes, Diggs nine targets in back-to-back weeks. Now, uh, in the last three weeks, there was a buy mixed in there, but 86, 7, and 6 catches for 87, 129 yards, and 108 yards, respectively. So I think there's enough of a sample size there to make him your top target to look at this week. Now, moving on from Diggs, just a reminder, the Bengals did have a buy last week, but, the week, but before last week, we discussed Marvin Jones, who had been on quite a roll. Now, owners might have forgot about him or not picked him up just because of the fact that they wouldn't be able to use him right away. But Marvin Jones owned in just 41% of Yahoo, 35% of ESPN leagues. With the way Andy Dalton's playing this year, you got to imagine that he can be at least a wide receiver three in some formats. I, I guess it has to be a little bit deeper, but I would say Marvin Jones at least has to be owned, correct? Yeah, so A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert right, are going to get a huge volume of Dalton's throws, but he's still getting, you know, eight to 12 in three of the last four games, the Bengals as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's target wise. So uh, yeah, like he, he's going to be looked at every, every possession potentially by the, by Andy Dalton. Yeah. And, and the numbers last or last time I'll speak for themselves, all of these season highs across the board, but nine catches for 95 yards on 12 targets against the bills in week six. Now that's not going to happen 12 targets every week, but he has been targeted eight times twice before that. And he has three touchdowns on the season. So I think it's safe to say his utility is greater than that of Muhammad Sanu at this point. And he's just someone that Dalton can also look to because his receivers or opposing defenses should be targeting, dialing in on AJ green, giving him at least double coverage. And you would think that they'd want to try to pop Eifert off the line and probably cover him with a strong safety or someone more physical. So when it, defenses do use that strategy, there should be plenty of looks available for Marvin Jones. Yeah, and he's playing the Steelers this week too. So, you know, they've given up 12 yards per catch and five touchdowns wide out the season. Yeah, so the matchup factor is there as well. Two more previous mentions that I just want to reiterate again. Uh, Ted Ginn of the Panthers, 33% of Yahoo leagues, 34% of ESPN leagues, as well as Michael Floyd of the Cardinals. Again, we mentioned, we talked about him earlier, another touchdown last week. Floyd owned 47% of Yahoo, 56% of ESPN leagues. Both of them are viable free agent targets, if it's even if it's just a plug-and-play for one week. Just guys that have some, some availability that are worth mentioning. Uh, another player that I want to mention here, or I guess Warren, uh, disclaim whatever but guys don't forget about Devonte adams of the green bay packers uh following the bye we would assume he's back in action they've given him a few weeks off now to rest that ankle injury and i looked at his ownership just for the heck of it only owned in 60 percent of yahoo leagues and 49 percent of espn le- leagues so i think a lot of owners have forgot about him just because he's coming off the bye week and the injury would you say that he has more upside than any other wide receiver we'll talk about today uh Considering Aaron Rodgers is throwing his direction, yeah. And mm-hmm. Rodgers has said that they needed him back. They need somebody outside the numbers, you know, mm-hmm. along the sidelines at least. Uh, nobody has been able to competently do, do that in, in his uh, absence. So, yeah, if 
if everybody, if the entire receiving core is there and healthy, you know, he's the number two to Cobb, but he's probably better than, you know, everybody we've just mentioned. Yeah. More, more potential at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was seeing Devontae Adams skyrocket up to like a third round pick closer to the start of the year, especially after Jordy Nelson got hurt. Yep. And then, of course, the, that ankle injury kind of derailed the first part of the season for Adams. And the presence of uh, James Jones. Yeah. Re- yeah, James Jones <laughs> the return. coming back. The return of, yeah, James Jones. But really, I mean, James Jones has been used as kind of their deep threat, uh, but not not a lot of true deep balls, kind yeah. of some back shoulder stuff. Uh, if if Rodgers really wants to air it out. Now, remember what we've seen from Rodgers, how he likes to do the uh, the snap count, and he's one of the best in the league at that, at getting opponents to jump off sides and getting those free plays. That I mean, some of those looks that went to Jones are now probably going to go to Adams. And, I, you know, I can imagine there'll be a couple big weeks in there. So I'm a little bit hesitant to play him against a tough Denver defense, especially I don't know if he'll be the one who sees Aqib Tlaib or if it'll be more James Jones, Randall Cobb. So a little bit hesitant with the matchup just because of how well Denver's played. But he's someone that needs to be owned everywhere and should have been hung on to in all leagues. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I was just going to say it's unbelievable that he's uh, unowned in over half of ESPN leagues right now. Yeah, so flip a coin if you're playing on ESPN, uh, and hopefully you get lucky and you find yourself a at least a wide receiver three with wide receiver two potential rest of season. Yeah, and I, I mean, personally, I was contemplating like dropping him in a 10-team format, but I did hang on to him. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon you'll be reaping those benefits. Another receiver coming <laughs> off injury here, heading to New York uh, to, uh, for the Giants. Actually, talking about Victor Cruz, he's going to go undergo an MRI on Thursday. Now, we don't know or have any indications of what those results will be. They could be favorable. They could be up. Oh, nope, you're out a few weeks. But uh, chances are he's dropped in a lot of places. Is he worth a dollar stash? I know a lot of teams have waiver wire uh, bids tonight. Yeah, oh man. Uh, so we've seen this a few times this season, like his uh, hamstring improves, 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 and then he tries to practice and suffers a setback almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually want to see him on the field and producing before I actually believe it. Uh, um, and I won't believe it until until that point. Yeah, and part of this is uh, the the Giants receiver depth, but the timing's actually not all that great for it because Odell Beckham and Reuben Randall have both played in the last couple weeks, and they're both, you know, not not been highly productive, but seem to be getting over their respective hamstring injuries. There, where uh, Victor Cruz, I believe it's a cash. Yeah. Sorry about so it. many, uh, so many uh, hamstring injuries on the Giants. It's easy to uh, yeah. to throw those around, but Victor Cruz, I still think he's got some left in him. He's 28 years old and could be a big part of any kind of Giants run later in the season. I guess we'll see what happens there. So a reminder on Victor Cruz. Uh, another one, just for comparison's sake, uh, I want to look to New England. We talk about the Packers having a high-power offense and having you know, so many fantasy options there. I see the Patriots in a similar light there. And I wanted to look at Danny Amendola because eight catches on nine targets for 86 yards and a touchdown Sunday against the Jets. He was highly efficient. I'd imagine you know, the Jets would put their primary focus on guys like Edelman and Gronk. But Brandon LaFell returned last week, too. Uh, didn't really have uh, a, a huge game there, but you compared the ownership there. LaFell, 64% Yahoo, 38% ESPN. Amendola, 14% Yahoo, 16% ESPN. Do you have a preference between these two rest of the season, or do you think it's going to be very volatile on a week-to-week basis? Yeah, it's, it's probably going to alternate between the two, but in the short term, you do like how Amendola is playing right now. He's caught 15 of 18 balls the last two weeks for 191 yards and one touchdown so that's production that you can actually hang your hat on mm-hmm. um whereas LaFell only caught one of eight targets in his return I think it's going to be I'm seeing the box score saying two of eight targets of eight? for 25 yeah 25 yards oh okay I'm apologies I wrote one oh. but uh uh even so two of eight targets uh it's probably more his conditioning isn't up to par he's trying to you know improve that rapport with Tom Brady, get it back to the level it was last year. Uh, so, yeah, 70, 74 catches for 119 – or 74 catches on 119 targets last year. Yeah, the thing I found most interesting about this game is Amendola targeted the exact same amount of times as Edelman, but Edelman, who in a lot of people's lists, top three to five receiver rest of season. Right. Uh, but, but Amendola, a little, little bit more efficient than Edelman this weekend, which is why he's showing up on a lot of waiver wire lists this week including ours I'm not so you know on a week-to-week basis like you said it's it's going to be tough to really declare a you know to try to pick how they want to set this up every week there but the Patriots 
got a short week, so maybe back off on some of the secondary offensive options there because they will have a home game against the Dolphins, uh, a seemingly rejuvenated Dolphins, and it'll be a short week because they play on Thursday night, so potentially something to watch for there. Now, one receiver that we haven't touched on too much this year who had a pretty nice game in London this weekend is Robert Woods of the Buffalo Bills. Now, he's owned in just 5% of Yahoo and 5% of ESPN leagues. Once again, a warning, Woods is on a bye week along with the Buffalo Bills week eight. But So maybe that bye week gives them some time to get healthy. Maybe not. Sammy Watkins is pretty banged up. Percy Harvin is apparently contemplating retirement. And if they go through too many more games with both Watkins and Harvin out, I mean, Woods is the guy then after that, correct? Yeah. um, I'll just say this, though. Uh, His two highest target counts of the season have come the past two weeks, Mm -hmm. and that's also been when E.J. Manuel has been under center. So maybe, like, they have a connection, whereas when Tyrod Taylor actually comes back, it's going to be Sammy Watkins. They're having their bye, right? So Sammy Mm -hmm. Watkins is presumably going to be much more healthy and potentially play in week nine. So it's just something to wait and see, I guess. But it is encouraging to see, you know, 19 targets over the last two weeks. Yeah, definitely something to think about. So those both of those outside factors also come into play. So maybe we'll give you a quick reminder next week when you get to yeah. wide receivers uh, just to see kind of where Robert Woods is at and, and what the quarterback situation is. But and if Sammy Watkins is prog- progressing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the bye week won't really have to see, you know, won't get too much information until kind of the week leading up to the next game here. Right. But let's move on to tight ends here. We've already mentioned Jordan Reed in the past. Make sure he's owned everywhere. Just a quick reminder, 59% Yahoo, 42% ESP. That's way too low. I think of Jordan Reed as a legitimate tight end, won the rest of the season, mm-hmm. especially with Kirk Cousins throwing in the ball here. Another tight end that we got to get to, though, is Eric Ebron. He's back, but just owned in 25% of Yahoo, 27% of ESPN League. So there's only really a one in four chance he's taken if you go to look for him. Now, Eric Ebron goes heads to Kansas City with the Lions in week eight, uh, a pass defense that has had its fair share of struggles this year. And he brought an incredibly efficient week or game Sunday against Minnesota, five catches, five targets, 89 yards, one touchdown. So, I mean, is this the type of production we can expect from him rest of season? I mean, potentially. Potentially. He, he yeah. caught every single target thrown to him against the mm-hmm. Vikings. So, you know, that kind of inflates, uh, you know, the number uh, – I mean, so go ahead. I mean, Brandon, Brandon Pettigrew's looks like he's a little bit banged up underneath yep. on the depth chart. Uh, Tim Wright used very sparingly this year from what I've gotten to see out of the Lions. And, and Ebron, I mean, uh, let's see, I don't have snap counts from, from week seven up here yet, hopefully getting there soon. But, I mean. That'll be tomorrow, Yeah, that'll be tomorrow. Yeah, so Ebron, uh, yeah, kind of missed back-to-back weeks, but was back and good to go in his return. Now, to start the season off with two road games, he was really helpful for the Giants, or for, I'm sorry, for the Lions. Four for 53 and a touchdown in week one. Five for 43 and a touchdown in week two. He actually got 10 targets week two. Uh, the only time he was targeted less than five times was week four against Seattle. And I think the looks are going to be there, of course, you know, it's another year older for Calvin Johnson and whatnot, but I think he still de- deserves most attention of opposing defenses that go up against the Lions. And I think there's going to be a lot of room for Ebron, uh, not only in for just the standard passes, but I, I think of him as a as a red zone threat here too. So someone to absolutely watch. He was targeted in 13 games in 2014. He was targeted five times inside the 20, and mm-hmm. we're seeing a little bit more of that pattern over and over. Um, outside of Jordan or Jordan Reed I think you got to have I think Eric Ebron should be owned in every 12 team league especially those where you can flex a tight end yeah I mean when you look at this upcoming matchup you see they're playing the Chiefs and you're like ooh, juicy matchup because you know their past defense has just been torched all year but uh most of that has been actually at um the hands of wideouts rather than tight ends tight ends have only caught 21 balls for 214 yards on 46 targets and that's only 4.7 yards per target. That's pretty horrible. Yeah. And so that's just, you know, something that you're going to have to keep in mind. I mean, yeah, scoop him up, but maybe don't expect him to go off in week, the first week you have him. Yeah. In uh, standard scoring format, standard ESPN scoring, at least uh, the Chiefs only allowing four points per game to tight ends. So yeah, just exactly. to reiterate your point exactly, matchup isn't great, but he's uh, 
I would say is a for the rest of season. Rest of season. Yeah. Gotta like him. Uh another guy I like is Ladarius Green. His ownership spiked a little bit last week just because of uh the, the Gates MCL sprain that was kind of going around there. But Green's ownership is up to forty eight percent in Yahoo, thirty six percent of ESPN leagues, had four catches, nine targets for forty five yards and a touchdown against the Raiders. And he had two two-point conversions on that. Now, we know how the Raiders are to opposing tight ends. Uh, just a fantasy matchup gold mine there if you've got a tight end going against Oakland. <laughs> but, I mean, I've always thought of Larry Screen as having the athletic ability and the skill set to be a tight end one eventually in fantasy. Of course, Antonio Gates, when healthy, is going to block him from a lot of those opportunities as one of Philip Rivers' favorite targets. But, I mean, an MCL sprain is no light ordeal. Uh, you you want to keep watching Darius Green throughout the remainder of this injury, right? Yeah, and I, I'm really – I mean, I'm just going to say this. Green should be owned everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. So far this year in standard scoring in his six appearances, he's had 13, 4, 11, 5, 9, and 10. Mm-hmm. He has a range of 4 to 13 and averages 8.7 points per game. That's tight end one range. Yeah, I, I would give that so far. And I mean, Ladarius Green found his way in the end zone four times this year, yes. despite uh, only being targeted it, more than six times once. So, so th- that is that has obviously helped his production, but mm-hmm. still he's having the type of breakout that you see second-year wideouts having. Yeah, so perhaps even, even more so in standard formats than PPR, because he's not going to catch a ton of balls, but Rivers loves to look his way in the end zone. Yeah. And even in PPR, I mean, get you a, hand, a handful of catches on a week-to-week basis. Uh, that's good to go. you, you got to love this guy and, and what he brings to the table. I was so upset this week, just on a side note. I was in a league. It's a 14-team league, so it's pretty deep. I started Julius Thomas at tight end after what he was able to do the week before, only to find that I started Julius Thomas in the early game, only to find that I couldn't flex use a flex spot or tight end in my flex spot. And I don't know if that's rare or if that's standard, but I've pretty much every flex spot lets you do a tight end that I'm familiar with. So when I, Macklin was ruled inactive, I had to go to the likes of, oh, whoop-de-doo, Joseph Randall, and mm-hmm. didn't quite work out for me the way I had hoped. So I, just I, kind of a side note there. Uh, I've had only two leagues where the tight end has been able to be flexed. Uh, the other ones with, that, with flexes previously have only been wide out uh, running back flex. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess it's interesting. So you can you can make that choice when you're you know creating your league yep. uh, in most formats. Yeah, and that and that does actually affect how you look at some of these tight ends. Yeah, uh, I mean it doesn't hurt to stockpile a second or third tight end if you can flex them in a certain week. There's a le- there, I mean I've got a league where your flex lets you do a tight end, and I'm I'm pretty much starting Greg Olson and Antonio Gates for the remainder of the year, of course, as long as Gates is healthy. So I guess make, make sure you look at those league settings because those do come into play with some of these decisions oh, here. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, we'll hit on a couple of kickers and defenses this week here. Just some bookkeeping stuff. I don't want to talk too much about kickers just yet. I, I won't talk too much about dome kickers until the snow starts falling here, so we'll get there eventually. But just an update, Kai Forbath started for the Saints this week after team release Zach Hawker. Uh, no field goals attempted. Three for four on extra points. I guess he shanked one. Don't really need to pick him up in any kind of standard formats. Uh, other rising kickers, just according to ESPN this week, Graham Gano is starting to get snatched up. Chandler Canzaro of the Cardinals. Josh Lambeau and Nick Folk and Cairo Santos uh, there of the Chiefs. Uh, so, you know, something to watch there moving forward with kickers. I mean, if I'm looking at these uh, five kickers, uh, the matchup I like most is actually Cairo, Cairo Santos. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the uh, eighth. Uh, he has the eighth most points for kickers so far, and his matchup is pretty good too. Um, Detroit has allowed double-digit points to kickers in three of the last four. Yeah, and that game's that game's in Kansas City, right? Yes, okay, it is. so not in. I don't, I'd feel even better about it if it was in Detroit. Right. You, know, you got to love the, that dome there. So you, you might want to maybe cha- take a gander at the weather on Sunday. I would wait until the weekend to actually make this choice. But if you know it's going to be a light wind day. You know, he yeah. might actually have a decent uh, outing. Yeah, very few are s- rushing to the to the computer to get their fab kicker bids in <laughs> by midnight on Tuesday. So, no. But anyway, we just want to point that out because there are some kickers that are available. I always sort by, you know, fantasy points to date, and then I look at the matchup and, and, and the field there. What about defenses there? I was surprised to see the Atlanta Falcons are only owned in 52% of Yahoo and 46% of ESPN leagues. They're hosting Tampa Bay this week. I like them probably in both daily and season long. I know I mentioned uh, Winston as a decent uh, scoring option, streaming option as a quarterback, but at the same time, there's a good chance he throws a pick or two in there. Maybe one of them goes goes back to the house the other way. The, again, the Falcons have been a lot more opportunistic this year than they have in previous years. 
Also wanted to highlight the Vikings. Their ownership was surprisingly low. 32% of Yahoo, 47% of ESPN leagues. Heading to Chicago, so when I stream defenses, I usually like to pick the home team. But in in in, in this case, I, I'm kind of going back to the old Charles Woodson quote, and you know Jay's going to give us the ball. And uh, although Jay Cutler's been playing a little bit better lately, I think uh, this is one of the tougher defenses he's probably faced in recent memory. Yeah, we, we definitely love, uh, as Packer fans, look, looking at the TV uh, right after a Jay Cutler interception. Yes, somebody, somebody usually catches it and points it out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. There's almost always a meme of some sort that can be generated from that type of situation. But with that, thank you for listening to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out Rotowire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Once again, I'm Jake Letarski. Follow me on Twitter at jakeski52. And over here, it's Eric Gatteri, and you can find me on Twitter at ETCAT30. The Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast will return with Nick and Mike on Wednesday. Your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.